and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We're studying uh, end times. Uh, so for all of you who came back <laughs> from invite weekend, welcome. Uh, like we're just going to throw you in the deep end of the pool uh, and go right to the book of Revelations this morning. Uh, and so go to Revelations chapter one. Uh, this is, is honestly a class that I think I would teach if I was in Bible school. Um, it's a study of end times, uh, and we're just going to look at it. I preached a message about three weeks ago talking about are we in end times? Uh, is what we're seeing the end time of the world. And so we, we looked at signs, and that sparked a lot of interest with a lot of people asking me to keep the teaching going. Uh, and so that's where we're at now, and it's not just because of your request, but I sense of the Lord's leading. And so what we want to do over the next couple of weeks is I want you to read the book of Revelations with me. Now, we're going to look at the book of Revelation so that you can understand what you're reading. But over the next couple of weeks, I want you to dive into a book that chances are you stayed away from because you didn't understand it. My goal is to get you to understand it and read it with fresh light and to read it with, with fresh wisdom and understanding as we study these things on a Sunday morning. I will warn you ahead of time, this is a teaching um, and so out of that, I like to be kind of a treacher, half preacher, half teacher, uh, you know, and that type of thing. This is like the teaching side of my personality entirely. I will be as energetic as possible uh, to make it as enjoying for you as possible. But I really want you to understand scripture. And so I'm going to take my time and just teach. We'll start with chapter one, verse one, Revelations one, verse one through three, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it begins with him, it ends with him, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And heed the things which are written, for the time is near. Now, two things I want to point out here is one, what we're about to read is a prophecy, meaning it's something that's happening in the future. Some of these things are playing out now. Some of these things will play out later in the world. But that's one of the things that's fascinating about the book of Revelations is it's literally talking about the future. The second thing is this is really the only book of the Bible that promises you a direct blessing from reading it. Now, we believe as Christians the whole Bible is blessed and all of it is a blessing to us when mixed with faith. Uh, but the book of Revelation says there is a, a blessing that is attached to reading this prophecy and understanding what it is, uh, is saying and what it is communicating. And so I want you to read it and I want you to understand it. And that's kind of the heart of this teaching. 
Uh, two weeks ago, we showed kind of an end times uh, time chart. They'll throw that up on the screens. And what we're going to look at today is the, the middle of that called the tribulation. Uh, we have the first coming of Christ. This is when Jesus was born as a baby in a manger. Uh, and then we have the church age, which is what happened after his death, burial, and resurrection. The church was born in the earth. The word church in the Greek is the ecclesia. It's the called out people. It's people who are in the world, but not of the world. And you see that in the book of Acts all the way up to us today. We are people who are filled with God's spirit, called by his name, walking in his purpose. There will come a time, though, where there is what we believe is the rapture, where the church will be snatched away, will be pulled up out of this world. We talked about that two weeks ago. At that point, something begins called the tribulation. And this is what we're going to look at today. And it probably bleed over into next week, too. Uh, so the book of Revelations is broken up into to really three parts. Um, the first three chapters are, are kind of broken up this way. Uh, next one, sorry, I'm going to skip all that. It just takes too much time. So it's broken up into three parts. The first three chapters, Revelations 1 through 3, is talking about the church. Uh, and so out of that, it's God's message to the church as it existed in the earth. So while there is a measure of prophecy going out through the book of Revelations, when you're reading Revelations this week, because in Jesus' name, you'll be compelled to read it by the Spirit of God. Uh, when you're reading it this week, the first three chapters, you'll see uh, Jesus directing John to talk to churches. And it's actual physical churches that are there and to write to them and the messenger who's at that church. Now, uh, that word messenger, it, it, it's really talking to the pastor, write this to the pastor of that church. Sometimes it gets translated angel uh, because that word messenger is used for pastor and angel. But really he's writing to the leadership of the churches there and to the church itself. These seven different churches all needed seven different things. And one thing, though, that they all had in common is they all needed to repent. Now, this is interesting because uh, I've heard recently a lot of people saying, like, there's no need to repent. We're blood-bought and that type of thing. Repentance does not mean, like, feel sorry for yourself or be unrighteous. Repentance means if I keep going in this direction, there will be consequence. And for each one of these churches, he said, if you don't repent, there will be consequence. Your, your lampstand will be put out. You'll read that, meaning that like the light that you have will cease to exist in the earth. Um, literally, all of these churches are in modern-day Turkey. Their lampstands were put out. Um, if we don't repent, there's consequence. And that's what we were talking about last week, um, that out of that repentance is acknowledging Jesus and returning from our evil ways and saying the consequence was put on Jesus. I see what I need to do and I will change. Paul, or here, I'm sorry, John, is receiving a vision from the Lord Jesus, speaking to each one of these churches as individuals, and they each had something that they needed to repent of. Now, as he's talking to them, I want you, when you read it, to allow the Lord to speak to you. And see if there is one particular church that identifies with you in your heart when you're looking at this. Is this something that I need to watch in my own life? You'll see that through Revelations 1 through uh, uh, 3, chapters 1 through 3. And 4 and 5, you see it changes. He's not just showing the earth and talking to these churches. John is caught up into heaven. And he has a wonderful revelation of heaven. Uh, he sees it in all of its uh, splendor and the, the majesty of God, and it's amazing what he sees. Uh, take the time to read it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But in chapter 5, it's kind of ending with um, John seeing these scrolls that no man can open. 
And he actually gets emotional about it because no man is worthy to open up the scrolls. And then he sees Jesus. And a, a call goes out for all hell King Jesus, for he is the only one who is worthy to open the scroll. Uh, now, we sing about that and we'll actually rejoice about that. All hell King Jesus, he's the only one worthy to open up the scrolls. But when he opens up the scrolls, it starts in, in chapter 6. And from 6 to 18, those scrolls unleash the tribulation. Now, somebody says, well, why would there be tribulation? Because there's always consequence for sin. We covered that last week. You don't want to live in a world where there is no consequence. And all of this seed that the world has sown, this is their harvest. And out of that, there is saving power from that consequence by the blood of Jesus and, and by the calling upon his name. Uh, but for those who do not receive that, consequence happens. And so what we want to read uh, today is through 6 and 18. I'm going to show you some high points so that when you read it, you understand it. Clearly today, we don't have time to talk about it all. But I want to start in chapter 6, and I just kind of want to walk you through what you're going to read and things to look for uh, as we approach in times. So let's start with this, Revelation 6 and verse number 1. They'll put it up on the screens. I'll ask you also to turn to it in your scripture. Revelation 6, 1. Then I saw the lamb, so he's seeing the lamb, the only one worthy, break one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow. Now watch this, he has a bow, but no arrows. He had a bow, and a crown was given to him. So he didn't take it, it was given. A crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Uh, verse uh, uh, 3. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And another red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth. And that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard something like the voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for Daenerys and three quarts of barley. And do not damage the oil and the wine. Verse 7. And when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. And I looked and behold an ashen or pale horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following him. Authority was given to them over the four uh, um, of the fourth of the earth to kill with sword. So notice, a fourth of the earth is going to die. Over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence. And by the wild beast of the earth. Okay, when you're, when you're reading Revelations, you're going to see it play out with these three things. You're going to see chaos, that chaos is going to lead to control, and that control is going to lead to war. Uh, what you're reading in Revelation 6 is the beginning of chaos. Uh, and that chaos is going to take us to control. People are going to wonder, what do we do? 
Control will come in with that chaos, and that control will be taken over into war. Now let's look at what the Bible calls the four horsemen here. And four horsemen, like, I always think of the wrestlers, like that type of thing. And, you know, our modern day world has kind of taken these four horsemen and making them a lot of different things. But from a biblical context, here is what they are. The four horsemen you just read about in Revelation 6 that are released when Jesus opens these scrolls is, number one, the white horse, the Antichrist. More on him in a minute. But once again, when chaos happens, everyone wants a leader to show them the way out. Enter the Antichrist. Number two, the red horse, bloodshed and violence. Now, we already see this in our world. And one of the things that I want to cue you in on is the world is changing. You sense it. You feel it. These are the birthing pains of the end times. We're not in this yet. It's the birth pains of it. Um, but bloodshed and violence, this is not just like war, and I know we're very mindful of war in our world right now, but it's more than that. It's literally like that spirit of Cain that makes me not my brother's keeper, uh, where it's in your neighborhood, it's in your city, it's around your people. There's just violence, um, there is that, that wickedness that just is, is lawless. Now, if we're right and the rapture exists um, and the rapture happens and the church is translated out of the earth before the tribulation, can you imagine the chaos that that will bring in the world in terms of violence? How long do you think it'll take evil people to figure out all your stuff has no owner? And when they see that, imagine your police force cut in half. America basically would lose 60% of its population in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, can you imagine if that happens and if that plays out in that way, the amount of chaos that that will bring in terms of violence when they know they can't police it? Uh, they can't change it. They can't challenge it. There's, it's, it's not there. The infrastructure is broken. And on top of that, all the grief that is in the world of people like, you know, there's one standing in a field and then all of a sudden there's one not. And that's what Jesus was talking about. There's one at work and then all of a sudden they look over and they're not there. Uh, so out of that, the world will have bloodshed and it'll have violence and, and the red horse, this, this being is releasing this on the earth. And this is important, like a big context of our, our spiritual faith is that behind what you see in the natural is something spiritual. That you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Behind what you see in the natural is something spiritual. When you see these things in the earth, it's not just things in the earth. Behind what you see in the natural is something spiritual. And this bloodshed and violence will come with the release of this red horse and then the black horse, famine and inflation. Now you already hear this and you already see people doing this. There's a big, really the whole war in Ukraine right now, it's a war over wheat. Um, they want the land, which is why they don't care if they blow up the building. Because they understand the world's population is increasing, and with the increase of the world's population, the biggest commodity in the world will not be oil. He said, you can leave the oil untouched. It'll not be oil. It'll be food. It'll be barley. It'll be wheat. And so out of that, um, Ukraine is like the, the world's breadbasket. Uh, genuinely, they call their ground, their, you know, just oil rich in that way of the ground is so dark it can grow anything. Russia is frozen, a big part of it. That's why they want it. And so out of that, when this happens, the world will have a huge famine, which will make the cost of food go up. 
Now, once again, somebody's like, well, this has already happened. Exactly. It's birth pains. And so out of this, when we get into the tribulation, this will be amplified so much so that basically the, the, you know, the, the, the things that he's saying will happen, like what you'll be able to buy wheat for, it's basically saying you won't have enough to feed your own mouth, much less your family. And so out of that, it's just chaos on that end of famine and inflation of like things are going through the roof. We can't even afford food because things cost so much. And then finally, the pale horse, which is death. And this has two kinds of forms, natural disaster, which we're seeing more and more of that, and then disease. Now, you know, when COVID hit the earth, how much uh, chaos did that bring? It, it shut down the world. Now, imagine a disease that's not, you know, just like COVID, um, but like it's killing one-fourth of the world's population. The amount of chaos that that will bring. And so, once again, everything that you've seen in the world over the last five years is the birth pains of what's to come. Um, now, all of that is chaotic. I mean, you just have, um, you know, one disease that does that, or huge inflation, or war, or, you know, violence on our streets. That's, that, that would all, like, it, it all creates a sense of panic. It all creates a sense of chaos. Now, what's going to happen is all of these things are going to hit at once. And when it happens in the earth, what's going to lead to is this guy. People are going to want answers because chaos throughout the history of the world always equals control. Where there's chaos, I want someone to tell me what to do. World Health Organization, tell me what to do. Like people come and tell us, can we go outside? Can we not go outside? Who, who controls the money? Like already right now, right? All across, it's not just an American thing. I have the, the privilege of honestly going all around the world. I've never seen it before ever in 20 years of traveling the world like it is today. There's no nation that really trusts their political leaders. And every nation's kind of like, really? And they're looking at these things from these kind of lights. And what will happen is, is when all these nations are weakened and, and through the rapture and through these things, people are going to look for answers and there's going to be someone who comes up called the Antichrist. And when Christ was on the scene, when Christ steps on the scene, he came with so much power that he got influenced quickly. And what did they come to him and want to make him? They're like, we want to make you what? King. We want to make you what? king like take the crown because he could have taken it there he's walking in so much power he's walking uh, he's walking with the power of God to such a degree that it's drawing followers so much so that today 2.8 billion people are followers of his name that are currently alive we're not talking about all the people who have died right now in the earth 2.8 billion people why because of the power he walked in what the antichrist is the exact opposite of that and when this comes and hits the earth, what we're going to see is Satan realizing this is my chance. Now what he's always wanted, according to Isaiah, they'll put this up on the screen, is to play God. He wanted the, the spot that God had. And so we see this in the book of Isaiah. How are you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning? Here he's talking about uh, Lucifer. One of the things you'll find when you read, just to help you, when you read Revelations, is you'll see a lot about stars falling, okay? And, and the biggest challenge of reading the book of Revelations, and trust me, 
If it's out there, I've read it over the past couple of months. Like, I, I genuinely have studied this subject immensely. Um, like, a lot of books, a lot of podcasts, a lot of teaching. And the one thing that disturbs me was, was how many people genuinely disagreed with each other. Like, really smart, really good pastors, really good teachers disagreed with each other. Because um, what they disagree on is, in Revelations, what is literal and what is figurative. And some people will say, well, it's a literal Babylon. And other people will say, it's a figurative Babylon. Uh, some people will say, it's an actual star. It'll be an asteroid. And other people are like, it's not a star, it's a demon. Well, here, one of the things that you'll see when you're reading this is symbolism. And, and the book of Revelations is filled with symbolism. And here, you kind of get a cue as to what the symbols are. How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning? So it's not an actual star. It's the devil. And he's falling from the heavens and he's coming to the earth. Uh, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. Now watch this, it keeps going. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit in the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. Watch what he says here in verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself, this is his heart, I will make myself like the most high. Now his heart has always been to make himself like the most high. So whatever God puts on the earth, he twists and he makes wicked. So what you're going to see in the book of Revelations, this is fascinating. What you're going to see in the book of Revelations is how did God come for the earth? He puts himself in man. And out of that, he's a, he puts himself in a physical version of man. And Jesus is the expressed image of God. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And what is Jesus' role? The role of Jesus is to take you to the Father. But he needed help. And so the help that he got was the power of the Holy Spirit. That you see the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus in a way that empowers him to do miracles. And the Holy Spirit takes you to Jesus. Jesus takes you to the Father. Uh, and so we know this from our, our scriptures and from our own life too. We're sitting in a service. The Holy Spirit prompts our hearts. We give our life to Jesus. We have reconciliation with the Father. Holy Spirit takes us to Jesus. Jesus takes us to the Father. He wants to be like God. Satan does. And so what you see in Revelations is he begins to create an unholy trinity with himself, and, and keep, this, keep this right here real quick, with himself, the Antichrist, and someone called the false prophet. Uh, I'll show you this more in a minute. But watch this in Luke. One of the temptations of Jesus was always this. Jesus is taken up, shown the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And watch what Satan tells him here in verse number 5 of Luke 4. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So all the kingdoms of the world. America, Germany, Brazil, Russia, you name them. All the kingdoms of the world, he shows them. And watch what he says. The devil said unto him, I will give you all of this domain and its glory. For it has been handed over to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. So here you see uh, Satan acknowledging that there are governments that have been given over to me. And out of that, they don't even know it, but I am ruling behind their rulers. And so you came for the world, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the glory and the power of them. Now what did Jesus do? Get thee behind me, Satan. He does not accept that. The Antichrist will. 
He takes the crown. You, oh, you want to make me king? I'll take it. You want to give me the kingdoms of the world and the glory thereof? I'll take it. But he is literally being filled with Satan when he is. And so what you're going to see in Revelations is all of this play out. Um, and so um, out of that, I want you to see how this plays out with the following. They'll put it up on the screen. You've got the dragon who represents Satan. Um, you've got um, the dragon who represents Satan, and you can see this in Revelation 12 and verse 9. He is the chief culprit behind everything you're about to see play out in the tribulation. You have the dragon who is Satan. Um, you see that in Revelation 12 and verse 9. You have the beast from the sea, which is the Antichrist. Now somebody says, from the sea, what does that mean? All throughout scripture, the sea is symbolic of people. Um, it's symbolic of life. And so from the people, uh, one of the prophecies that came out of the Antichrist is he would not have royal lineage, that he'll be from the people, a man of the people. And so from the people, the Antichrist will arise more on him in a minute. And you see him in Revelations 13, 1 through 10. And then you have the beast from the land, which is called the false prophet. And you see him in Revelations 13, verses 11 through 12. This is the unholy trinity. These two individuals yield to Satan. Satan uh, is trying to play the role of God. He gives his power to the Antichrist who tries to play the role of Jesus. The false prophet tries to play the role of the Holy Spirit and point people to the Antichrist. But Satan's goal behind both of these individuals is to take the world to him. Just as Jesus and the Holy Spirit took the world to God. Uh, so this is his end game. This is all you're seeing in the book of Revelations play out. Let's talk about the Antichrist. Uh, so here the Antichrist is this person who comes into power. The Bible talks about um, in Revelations that there's almost a supernatural quality about him. That just as Jesus walked in a supernatural power of like turning water into wine, um, that like out of that it just captures the world's imagination. There's a supernatural quality about this individual that when they see him they're in awe of him. And when he manifests in the earth they see this is the answer to our problems. All of this chaos in the world, they have the answers. And he's going to show them the answer financially. He's going to show them the answer in all these different things. All the questions that the chaos presents, he's going to have an answer for it. And not only is he going to have an answer for it, he's going to have basically like power attached to it that makes them believe his answer. Because there's going to be a lot of people who have answers. But he's going to have a power that is to him that's demonic. It's from the pit of hell. But he's going to have a power about him that makes him attractive to the world. Uh, so we see this play out in Revelation 6-2. We already read it. When he opens up that first, Revelation 6-2, uh, when he opens up that first seal, there's a white horse. Now, when Jesus comes, because this all ends with Jesus being king of kings and lord of lords. I'll just go ahead and spoil the ending. Jesus wins in the end. But his goal is to mimic Christ. He doesn't just want to be a political savior. He wants to be a messiah. And so he is mimicking Christ however he can uh, to take people to the enemy. Uh, and he comes on a white horse just like our Savior will come on a white horse. Uh, once again, that's symbolic uh, and maybe figurative. And he who sat on it had a bow but no arrows, and a crown was given to him. So because of his answers, he's not having to go to war yet to get power. Power is being given to him. 
and he went forth out to conquer and, and to, to conquer. So watch this. As revelations unfold, you see nations of the world giving him power. The Bible mentions 10 nations specifically. Revelations 13 and verse 1. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Uh, the dragon being Satan stood on the sand of the seashore, that being people and nations. Then I saw a beast coming out of the sea, out of the people, having ten horns and seven heads. Uh, now watch this. He has seven heads and he has ten horns. Uh, what theologians and people have said is basically it's ten nations, the ten horns, with three of them that have combined into one. Three nations that have combined into one. That basically it's saying let's coordinate together directly. Uh, and so out of that, these ten horns come on the seven heads. And on his horns were ten, keeps going here, uh, diadems. And on his heads were blasphemous uh, names. And so here you see the Antichrist coming into power. And it's a group of nations that have come together. Now there's all types of speculation as to who these nations are. And a lot of it's based on Revelations 13 and verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. And his feet were like those of a bear. And his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him great power and his throne and great authority. And so here we see Satan, once again, all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus, the glory thereof, I'll give them to whomever I want if you just bow to me. Jesus said no. The Antichrist will say yes. When he does, all of this power and authority will be given to him. These ten nations will be unified together. And what you're going to see is then these ten nations become a coalition that wants to wipe Israel off the planet Earth. Not punish them, not discipline them, death to them. We want them all wiped out. We want them all killed. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in, in a minute, probably next week. So not a minute, uh, next week. Um, <laughs> but out of that... These ten nations come together, but I want you to watch something. It's not just the ten nations. It's also something else. In verse number seven, it says this. It was also given him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now, this is one of the scriptures where people look at it and say, well, wait a minute. How can there be uh, a rapture if the saints are being made war with there? It's a great question. Now, what people who believe in the rapture will say is these are people who got born again uh, during that time. And you'll see next week, we'll talk about that even during the tribulation, God will move mightily on the earth, that the greatest revival on the planet will happen during the tribulation. God is going to move with 144 witnesses, 144,000 witnesses that genuinely carry the power of God on their life. It'll be amazing. It'll be a great revival. But out of that, he will come after them to destroy them. And watch this. He will have authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was, watch, given to him. So he's not trying to take this power, the power is being given to him, that literally every nation, so you hear this term of like one world government, the Bible predicts a one world government. Here's where that comes to play out. Now what I'll say from scripture is when you're looking at this, it's definitely ten nations that have joined together, but then what he creates in the world has some type of influence over the whole planet. Now, what helps him is not just the enemy uh, here giving him this power, but the enemy raises up someone else. His name is the false prophet. Um, now, the false prophet is going to come on the scene, and this is fascinating how it plays out. You'll notice him in the book of Revelations 13 as well. Revelations 13 and 11, I saw another beast coming out, out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke as a dragon. 
Um, this, and keep it here real quick. Now, go back to verse number 11. Um, we see behind him is a dragon. Now, who's the dragon? All campuses, who's the dragon? Satan. Yeah, who's your pastor? You're doing so well. Uh, so out of that, the dragon is Satan. Now, watch this. This is where people talk about a one-world religion in the tribulation. Now, a lot of people, when they interpret this biblical prophecy, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns and was like a lamb. So something that replicates Christianity, but it's not Christianity. And then two other religions coming together that make one world religion. And this false prophet is going to walk in miracles just like the Antichrist. But here's something very interesting about the false prophet. He's going to control all these religions that are still left on the planet. They're going to see him as the Messiah. This is the person we've been looking for. He's coming, and watch what he does. He's going to point the way uh, to the Antichrist. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. So the same power that the Antichrist is walking in, he's walking in as well. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. So he's like... Pointing to the Antichrist, the same way the Holy Spirit is powerful, but points to Jesus. This false prophet is going to point to the Antichrist. Uh, now watch, this is fascinating. Whose fatal wound was healed. So just like our Messiah had a fatal wound but was resurrected, and this is one of the things that makes us believe so strongly in him. He was resurrected. The Antichrist is going to have what looks like a resurrection too. It's like, he died, but he didn't, which helps his fame grow even more because we know when people die, their fame goes up. You take them after they die and then they resurrect, their fame goes up even more. And it's going to be more affirmation for people of like, this is who we need to listen to. This is who we need to pay attention to. But this is all a trap of the enemy. It's the dragon who is behind it all. And so I want to end with this. I'll show you this next diagram. I want you to see the Holy Trinity. We have God the Father who loved us so much, who sent Jesus to be a bridge, a mediator between us and God. He's empowered with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit draws all people to Jesus so people can take all people to God. What you see in the book of Revelations is that at the end of the age, Satan is trying to take over this world. He sees a strategic opportunity to come with chaos and anything else he can get in the earth to get control. But he knows he wants his own mediator to take people to him. So he creates this person who yields to him completely, takes the crown and becomes the Antichrist. This Antichrist is filled with the power of Satan. Just as Jesus was filled with the power of God, the Antichrist will be filled with all the power of Satan. And out of that, a false prophet will come up that will take the religious end of the world and point to him. He will control the politics. He will control the spirituality. And all of that will take the attention up. And Satan's goal is to have it all. As soon as all this chaos leads to control with these two people having it, what you will see is at the end of that, they all gather up for war. And we'll talk more about that control and war next week. But here's what I want you to see is ladies and gentlemen, scripture is real. This will happen in our future. And the more we kind of dive into this, I don't know if that future is tomorrow because all the signs of the end times that we went over three weeks ago, those aren't the signs of the rapture. That's the sign of the second coming. And so when you start seeing these signs, Jesus said, look up, your redemption is drawing nigh. 
Now, I believe that just like God got the, the, Noah and his family on the ark and then the rain happened and Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah and then the fire fell, I believe just like that, it'll be the same for us. I believe in a rapture. I believe that Jesus saves us from wrath. But here's what I also believe. I believe we as a Christian church have to take our stand in the earth. And as long as these events are in our future and not in our present, we must occupy until Jesus comes. We've got to preach like we've never preached before. we got to pray like we've never prayed before. This generation needs to see the power of God. I don't want them captivated with the power of an antichrist. I want them captivated with the power of the Christ. Captivated with the power of the real Messiah. I want them to see the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't want them to see a false prophet. I want them to see the gifts of the Spirit. I want them to see the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gift of healing. We need a revival. And you know where revival starts? It starts in you and it starts in me. It starts in us saying we care more about humanity than we do our own possessions. We care more about this world than we do our houses. We care more about what is going on in the lives of people because all of this stuff is going to burn. But he who accepts Jesus and does the will of God abides forever. That I've got eternity on my mind. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus. I've got eternity on my mind. Heaven in my heart. And Jesus will reign over all. And so I just want this series, I want it to encourage you to walk in peace and to walk in comfort. But I wanted to encourage you to change your perspective and to live for this next life and not the life that you see. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen, amen, amen. Let me pray and we'll end. Father, we love you so much. We thank you in the name of Jesus that you prevail and reign over all. Father, we thank you there is one name above every other name. It is the name of Jesus. And Father, we say in Jesus' name, your power is reigning. Your power is ruling. Your power is moving over this earth. Father, we thank you for revival. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for a modern-day Book of Acts church. And Father, we ask that we get to be a part of it. We ask that we be your hands and your feet. And together, Father, every people, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every race, every age, Father, we all stand and say, all hell, King Jesus, the Savior of the whole world. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand our feet, church, and let's worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords.